Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Come on, isn't God good? Amen. He's good. Turn with me to the book of Philippians, chapter 4. We're going to read verses 1 through 7. As Pastor said, it, it seems like it's been a minute. Um, I haven't done a lot of teaching this year. I got looking at my notes. I think other than the Beatitudes, I haven't done a, a ton of others uh, in, in terms of teaching. And so I want to talk to us in a little bit different track this morning. Uh, so God is good, isn't he? Amen. 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 Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Paul says, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, longed for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Iodias, and I beseech Syntyche. I will mess that up before the day is through. That they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, Help these women, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with my other fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Amen. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which all, passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing in respect to the word. You may be seated. Imagine with me, you're headed into work. Now, maybe this is pre-COVID for some of you. You've had a pretty good morning so far. Traffic's not bad. The songs on the radio maybe to your liking. Coffee's been hot, you know. The donuts are fresh, you know. You walk into work, you see that first coworker sitting there, and you say good morning to them, and they don't acknowledge you at all. Or if they do acknowledge you, they're going to counter whatever positive remark that you make with a negative comment. Good morning. What's so good about it? Then you run into your boss, the man, that woman, that person who has the unique but strange ability to say something that immediately puts you on the defensive. Anybody? I got a, I got a little something for you. Congratulations. You've just been hit by a joy robber. Maybe you walk into the church this morning and somebody's sitting in your seat. I mean, dear Lord, what's wrong with them? Don't they know I sit here every week? You know this. I don't change. My rear end has an impression in that seat. And Congratulations. You've just been hit by a joy robber. 
for the young people in the room. You imagine you studied hard for an exam in school. You find out that you aced it. Man, you did great. You can't wait to share the good news with someone. And when you do, they say, well, it must have been an easy test if you aced it. Congratulations. You've just met your joy robber. You're getting ready for a normal day of work. You walk outside, get into your car, it won't start. You walk outside to get into that nice vehicle that you pay so much money for, and you got a flat tire. Joy robber. You open the refrigerator, get up in the morning, ready for a little bit of something to drink. You open that refrigerator and that overwhelming stench of rotting food. I see a joy robber. You go to the doctor for a routine checkup. The doc says, well, some don't look just quite right. Let's run a few more tests. A joy robber, you guessed it. The toilet's plugged. It's overflowing. The children are not behaving. The spouse and you are not on the same sheet of music. That is what we call a joy robber. The truth is, the reality is that joy robbing can happen at any time, at any place, and in any situation. It can happen literally under any circumstance. But beyond that, people are not the only thing that can steal our joy. But a lot of people are really good at taking the wind from your, your sails. A lot of people are really good about stealing the thunder that you've worked so hard to produce. But here's the point that I want to make this morning. Anytime that we give in to stress, anytime that the anxiety of the moment in any situation, no matter how big or how small, can immediately rob you of joy. It's amazing to me. It really is absolutely amazing to me how quickly joy disappears. I mean, I think it's the only thing that goes faster than money. But when we allow that fear to take over the situation of life, joy is departed. And so we find ourselves as, huma as humanity, right? It's a natural response for us, worrying about our families, worrying about our futures, worrying about whatever it may be. And when worry is in the equation, it's impossible or even difficult to have joy. But in this room, it would not be, would not be hard to, to realize that many of us can remember a time when we were worried about some life situation, a job maybe. We were worried about losing a job or facing a financial crisis or, or some type of scandal, right, a relationship crisis, something that was going on, right? You know, it's easy. I'm not, I'm not going to lose my joy if you've got a scandal in your family, but when it's my family. I'm not going to lose my joy when you got a flat tire, but when it's my flat tire. I'm not going to lose my joy if you come in and tell me that your refrigerator is full of rotted food because that thing broke down. I'm going to feel bad for you. I'm going to feel empathy, but my joy is not going to depart. But when it's my turn in the barrel, I, I want to talk to somebody this morning, right? When, when the rumors are flying around about what's going on in your home and in your family and in your life, and people are doing what people do, and you feel the wind uh, of the lips passing by, hello? It's amazing how much wind the human mouth can, uh, hello, be nice, Brother Roberts, it's been a minute, right? But that pressure builds up and joy disappears. But here's the deal this morning. Every time that you are robbed of your joy, there's a simultaneous act that happens. You, are, At the same time that joy is being robbed from you, your spirit is being hijacked by the enemy. Every time. 
My joy goes, my spirit follows. Why is that? Because joy is an emotion, and our emotions are tied, connected to our spirit. And so when joy leaves the room, when joy leaves the situation, we are left feeling humiliated, frustrated, depressed, angry, and even sometimes lost, which if we're not careful is a slippery slope for sure, right? And so the reality of the day is that we're living in a time where we're being asked to feel. Hello? We're being asked to feel too much because we're every single thing that we deal with in life is pressing and pulling upon our emotion, right? And, and so we're not just being asked to feel too much. We're being asked to feel all the time and about everything. There was a time not so long ago, maybe a few decades ago, when I could go to work and not be emotional about it. I didn't care. When I went in, the boss said, go do that today. I went and did that that day. Didn't bother me. Didn't get up, didn't get down, just going to work. But it just seems like there's a shift in the spiritual world, and everything is tied to an emotion. Can I get a witness? Right? There's a constant flow in our world of, that, that is 24-7, that is streaming into our lives, that is producing fear and anxiety. And it creeps into the church. It follows us into the church because we get up in the morning and you have been there and something just doesn't go the way you think it should. And now we are no longer representative of humanity that has mental stability. We are so affected by our emotion that immediately our joy is gone and our spirit is hijacked by the enemy, and I'm having a bad day. Now, to be fair, everybody's going to have a bad day once in a while. I've had a bad week, a bad month, a bad year, but you know what? I'm telling somebody this morning, I'm tired of letting the enemy steal my joy. Joy is defined in the natural sense as a feeling of great pleasure or happiness. It's caused by something that is exceptionally good or exceptionally satisfying. It's a settled state of contentment. It's a place of confident hope. And so as emotional people, we struggle with all of these mixed emotions, the, the media and people, and now we've gone beyond people and media and emotion. We're into a place where culture is telling us how we should feel about everything. It's so overwhelming that what it's doing is it's creating numbness in us. We're living in a society where people are just numb to all of this emotion. The things that should affect our emotion, we're like, meh. And the things that shouldn't affect our emotion, we're like, you know, I'm telling you the truth. You know, I'm not even exaggerating a little bit. And so we come into the house of God and someone says, lift your hands and let's feel after the Lord. And it's no wonder we can't feel God because our joy has been robbed. That emotion. For some of us, it's been a long time since we have really felt Holy Ghost joy, real joy. It's been a long time since we've seen. It's been months for some of the people. We come to church, we're doing the thing, we're, we're smiling, we're worshiping, we're clapping our hands, we're dancing when we're told to, we're lifting our hands when we're told to. But you know in your heart and in your spirit that your joy's been hijacked and your spirit's gone with it. You're just not connected where you used to be. And so this emotion, right, this happiness, 
that we're so much longing for. There's a big difference between joy and happiness. Why? Because happiness is always based upon a favorable circumstance. But joy, I'm going to call it a supernatural emotion. The world can get joy about all kinds of things. The world can, can see some, something that's going right for them, and they can experience joy. But for the church, joy is supernatural. And I'm going to tell you why in just a moment. But that, that, that supernatural emotion that remains in the life of a believer, because here's what the deal is. Joy happens in spite of a circumstance. Amen. But happiness happens because of a circumstance. And so what's happened is the world, that is the philosophy of the world, it, it infiltrates itself into the church and makes us think that if we don't have a because of situation, that we can't have joy. But I want you to understand that when Paul wrote this letter to the church of Philippi, he was in a Roman jail. He was in a dungeon waiting upon a decision that would bring about the, the, the loss of his life. I want someone to understand that joy is in spite of, right? It's not, it's not because of. Happiness, I'm happy because I got a, a couple dollars in my pocket. I'm happy because I got gas in the car. I'm happy because the air conditioner is working. But that's got nothing to do with my joy. My joy is in spite of my circumstance. James 1 and 2, James wrote it like this. He said, count it all joy when you fall. <laughs> Hello? When was the last time that you fell and you said, boy, that was great? <laughs> when you fall into divers' temptations, when you fall into all kinds of different things, right? You know, listen, when, when you fall into that big trial of life and you got up and said, oh, joy, 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 going to get me some... You started, right? You know, Brother Wilson going, joy, 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 joy. You're like, oh... That's the first thing that came to your mind. No, it's not. It's not the first thing that came to my mind. It's not the first thing that came to my mind. Why am I going through this? Why? Because we've been programmed. We've been programmed to a because of emotion and not an in spite of emotion. Here's what the Bible says. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, says, Look into Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him went to the cross. That's the perspective of joy. That's where, right? He endured that, right? Why now he sat down on the right hand of God. But all of that was because of the joy, right? Billy Sunday, the great preacher Billy Sunday said, if you have no joy, there's probably a leak in your Christianity somewhere. Another commentator said, joy is the kind of happiness that doesn't depend on what happens. Another quote said, joy is not the absence of suffering, it's the presence of an almighty God. A wise person said, wherever joy doesn't happen, it has to be chosen. Somebody hear me. Understand this. It's my choice to rejoice. Amen. See, the problem is this. You can't avoid a joy robber. They're always going to come. Stuff is just always going to happen. You can't prevent it no matter how hard you try. I'm looking at some folks that are down the road a little bit, and you know what I'm talking about. Man, you replace that thing, but you replace that washer, you replace that dryer, you replace the disposal, you replace the refrigerator. Why? Because you don't want it to break down. Because you know, you've been there, you got the t-shirt, you know what a pain it is. You, get, you want to buy a new car because you don't want it to break down. 
Well, let me tell you what, sweetheart, I've seen a lot of new cars on the back of a tow truck. I've had a brand new refrigerator that wouldn't turn on and make any ice. It's just a fact of life. It's going to happen. The reality is you can walk into church and you can be on top of the mountain and that person in the valley can look at you and point your finger at you and immediately bring you down to where they're living. That's the reality of life. It's not what we want to happen, right? But stuff is going to happen and you just can't prevent it. So the question is, what do I do? What, what is it that's really dri- what driving me to lose my joy? See, I, I'm convinced that you cannot encounter a joy robber unscathed. Once something is said, once something is done, once the event happens, the difficulty, the impossibility, you cannot undo it. So how is it that we as the people of God move beyond them? How do we overcome the joy robbers in our life when they strike? Well, I'm glad that you asked. So what we're going to do, the the reality is it's not a matter of what's going to happen or what has happened or what will happen. The reality is joy is all about how I respond. Maybe even critical, how I respond. But here's Paul with some practical advice for those brothers and sisters there in Philippi. Our passage starts out, in verse 1. We don't really read this when we start talking about joy, but he says, therefore, my dearly beloved, right, my brothers and sisters, the people that I'm longing for, my, my joy and my crown, stand firm, stand fast in the Lord, right, in this way. And so Paul was thinking of this Philippian church, of his brothers and sisters, and immediately his thought was one of joy, I believe that we could look back at this and say that the Apostle Paul genuinely loved these people very much. They had become like family to him, and he had an overwhelming desire to see them. I believe that you can see that all throughout the the letter to Philippi. But in a spiritual sense, what we need to recognize is the church is just not another entity. It's not just somewhere that we go, but the church really is becoming, for us, more and more every day, like a family. We all have the same Father. We all are connected together, not by race or education or financial status, but we are connected together by an experience in Jesus Christ. And we've got to understand that it doesn't matter where you come from, it doesn't matter your background or what you've been through, you've got to understand that we use those terms. And the world looks at us and says, y'all are crazy. Why do you say brother and sister, brother and sister, why? Why? Because it's important that I recognize that you are my brother and you are my sister. The truth is that the church is a a family. We're connected together. We're a a body of Christ that is fitly framed together, connected to one another. And every one of us has a part to play in this. But let me go down the other side here. The church should not have sibling rivalries. The church is not a place of competition. The church is not a place where we fight against what. Come on, how many of you have brothers and sisters growing up? A little sibling rivalry? I'm not the only one, am I? Hello? How many of you know that that doesn't go away when you're grown up? It's just masked a little bit. But in the church, sometimes we get, we, we get that little feeling, of, we get a little fight going on, we get a little resentful, we get a little jealous of one another. Come on, I'm telling the truth here, right? But the truth is we need close, personal, deep relationships with people that we trust. 
people that we can depend on, people that we appreciate, people that we can open up and share our lives with. Why? Because here's my first point. Isolation is not good. Hear me. Isolation will steal your joy every single time. It's difficult, if not impossible, to live a life filled with joy when you are isolated and alone. Oh, come on, Brother Roberts. I know. Here comes the soapbox time, right? Listen, you've got to have somebody who you can share your struggles and your successes with. Let me go just a little bit deeper. Just because you've got somebody to talk to does not mean that they won't steal your joy. Oh, I got, I got, I'm not isolated. I got peeps around me. I got people around me. No, no, no. Being around people is not the same as being around the people of God. Now, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Family's family, and everybody else is everybody else. Why, why is family so connected, even though we're thousands of miles apart? Why? Because we got like experience. We grew up in the same home. We grew up with the same good or bad mom. We grew up with the same good or bad dad. We grew up with the same parents. We understood. We went through some of the, that, listen, I, it's funny to me. I watched my wife. She's, she, had, she had three brothers, and they get together, and they've got these jokes that are finer family jokes that I will never get. I know Sister Staten's got it. I've seen her with her brothers. I guarantee they can say things to pastors like, don't make no sense to him. But I'm telling the truth. I, I know. Why? Why? Because family's family. There are things that I can say to people that go to Live in Hope that only Living Hopers will get. Why? Because we've experienced some things. We've been through some things. There's some connectivity there. And just being around people, just because you got somebody that you know you can depend on and you think loves you, I'm sure they do. It's not the same as being around the people of God. Listen, listen, you got to understand something. When the, when the robber comes and steals your joy and takes your spirit with it, the only thing, why? Because my Bible tells me, ye which are spiritual restore. And there's a restoration power of the Holy Ghost that only comes. Come on, somebody. I'm talking to somebody this morning. That only comes when you're connected with somebody who's full of the power of the Holy Ghost. Well, I got good friends. Keep your good friends. You need good friends. The Bible teaches that. But if you don't have somebody of like precious faith that you can connect with, you're in, you are really isolated. The church is a place of love and of care and of community. It's a place where we experience life together. Paul experienced this type of community in Philippi. So much so that he said, you're my joy and you're my crown. You, you got to understand something. He said, you know what? You are a source of joy to me. I, I want to help somebody. You, you, you kind of hear what I'm saying, but some of you are kind of, you give me that kind of half sideways. You don't even realize your head's bent over a little bit. You're not quite sure, but you know, let me tell you what happens. You come in and you've had, you've somebody stolen your joy. You've had a bad day, a bad week, a bad month, and you walk in and you come down and Brother Roberts picks on you for 45 minutes. And you get angry at him and say, I wish he'd get off that soapbox and move on. But all of a sudden, 
You hear that piano, Sister Batty gets up there, and the worship team starts to sing, and you feel, listen, that restoration power of the Holy Ghost. You begin to feel that connection because there's something happens when we get together and begin to raise our hands and magnify God. It's a restoration of joy that only happens in the house of God. It doesn't. I'm telling somebody, you got to understand, being a part of a loving community is the only way you're going to overcome the robber of joy. Oh, Brother Roberts, you're going to go, that, go down that path I am. We, we must not forsake the assembling of ourselves together and so much more. Why do you guys keep preaching that? Because we know it's not just the devil. It's not just humanity, it's not just life, but now everything that you come in contact with is trying to steal your joy. And we recognize that this is the place where joy is restored. This is the place where healing occurs. Tell your neighbor, don't be isolated. The devil loves nothing more than to pull good people away. Listen to me. I've watched it. I've seen it. Experienced it. He wants to separate you. Oh, nobody cares. Nobody loves me. Nobody's thinking about me. No one's, right? Come on, I'm I'm talking to somebody this morning. The second thing that robs our joy is failure. Failure causes two very specific things. First, Failure causes you to give up. Joy is taken away because of failure in your life. Your spirit is hijacked. Come on, I'm talking to somebody. The first thing you want to do is quit. Well, I'll just go back to. Come on, I'm talking about Peter, right? I'll just go back to fishing. I'll just go back to what I know. I'll just go back to where I came from. I don't need this. I'll just go back. I'll just go back. Why? Because there's a connection here. When your spirit's hijacked, the the human emotion, the natural emotion for you is just to give up. But the second thing that failure does is it causes us to lose our standing. Literally, he says to the church, he says, I want you to stand firm. I want you to stand fast. And when failure occurs, we lose our footing spiritually. Now, the the reality is that any type of failure can rob your joy, but sin is the most dangerous joy thief that the Bible ever declares about at any point. The Apostle John understood this, and he felt it innately necessary to write to the church, if any man says he has no sin, he is a... He don't tell the truth, right? And the truth is not living in him. But he didn't leave us there. He didn't present us with a a license to sin. But he went on in chapter 2 of verse John, and he said, you know what? He said, we've got an advocate. If we confess that we've got, if we confess our failure. See, the world wants to hide failure. That spirit comes in and hijacks that, right? And, 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 And wants to hijack everything about us. But the Bible says that we've got an advocate, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Here's the point that I want to make here. Jesus said this about the thief, that the thief has a purpose. His purpose, he's come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. John 10 and 10, right? And Jesus said, he said, listen, you got to understand that his first option, the first option of the enemy is to rob your joy. He wants to steal it. Now, if he can't steal it, then what he wants to do is he wants to kill it. If he can't steal it and he can't kill it, that he's going to try to use another means somehow to destroy it. 
Though, listen, you've got to understand, it's not, just, it's not just wording, it's not just trying to make effect, right? And so this is especially true of your joy. Why? Because here's the point. If he can steal your joy, it doesn't just affect you, it affects the whole body of Christ. That's why Jesus didn't stop about the thief coming to kill, to steal, to, to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, but I am come that they might have life and that life might be more abundantly. You've got to understand this. Joy is a product of salvation. Amen. Well, I just ain't got no joy. Check your salvation. This thing keeps cutting out on me, Brother Brad. Is it the, is it the mic or position? Give me a direction here. Is this good? All right. Be still, Brother Roberts. Joy is a product of salvation. It comes from salvation. But I'm going to tell you, I told you that joy is not just an emotion. It's a supernatural emotion. But listen, joy is also a spiritual weapon. And so the enemy understands that if he can destroy your joy, if he can't, if he can't steal it and he can't kill it and he can't destroy it, he's going to do whatever he can, right, to move that joy away. Listen, the, the the, the biblical phrase, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Anybody ever heard that? Nehemiah chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse, verse 10. Listen, you, you got to get the context of this. The Israelites in the book of Nehemiah are returning to Jerusalem from exile, and Nehemiah is rebuilding the wall. And after Nehemiah rebuilds the wall, Ezra gathers all the people together. Now, it's been, it's been, what, 70 years, 100 years, whatever it is, and here they are. They all get together, and Ezra gets up and begins. He gets out his Bible, and he begins to read the law. Remember the first time you came to church? These people didn't grow up in church. They grew up in exile. And now the man of God starts reading the word of God, and they began, according to the Bible, they began to weep. Nehemiah chapter 8. Verse 8, he says, so they read the book in the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. The preacher preached and explained it and broke it down. And Nehemiah, which is Tishathra, and Ezra, the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto the, all the people, this day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not nor weep. They began to weep. It brought about a response to them, right? And all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said unto them, this is, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send the portions. How many of you had a donut this morning? If you didn't come get a donut, shame on you. I'm reading out of the book, come and get the sweet. Why? Because you're not showing up for donuts and you're calling it, you're saying, you don't have to come eat a donut, but you need to be here for the fellowship at 9 o'clock. Why? Because you're isolating yourself from the body. Uh-oh. I've noticed the donut crowd's getting smaller and smaller. Or not, not actually. The, the number's growing smaller and smaller, but the size maybe not. I'm speaking of myself. I'm not trying to rob your joy. He said, this day is holy unto the Lord. He said, neither be you sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now listen, we got to understand, joy became the, 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 the weapon of the Lord that silences condemnation. They, they recognized when the word come forth that they were not meeting the level that God wanted them to be. Anybody ever been there this morning, five minutes ago, right? Right? And so, listen, you gotta, you got to grasp this. 
What happens is when joy is robbed and your spirit is hijacked, immediately, right? I got precedent in Scripture, right? Immediately the spirit of condemnation comes in. What did Jesus say? When the house is clean, immediately. When that house is clean, immediately that, that spirit's going to find seven more and come back in. And so what happens is failure happens. You're human. You make a mistake. You said something. You did something. You should have done something. You should have said something. And failure is recognized in your life. And now your joy goes disappears. Your spirit's hijacked. Well, it's not just leaving you empty and sad. There comes all all of those spirits that comes in, condemnation, yeah. anger, resentment, jealousy. All, I'm, in the book, I'm in the book this morning. I'm trying to help somebody. And it comes right in here. It begins to fill that place where your joy should be. And here's what he said to them. He said, listen, you, here's what joy is. Joy is a product of salvation. Joy is a product of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Joy is a product of your relationship with the body of Christ. That's why you can't forsake that. That's why you can't live in isolation. Why? Because when, when that spirit of condemnation comes in, you walk back in because you've experienced it. You've come in after that bad week and the piano player begins to play, and immediately you feel that overwhelming. Why? It's the presence of the Lord, right? Because there's liberty and life and forgiveness and healing and mercy. The sad part is some of us won't get in our vehicles and get out of the parking lot. Turn on the radio and hear some bad thing that happened. Because we're being trained to feel about everything. We should be compassionate, but we're being trained. What do you think about this? How do you feel about this? And we're overwhelmed by this, right? you got to understand that sin and sorrow and sickness may be present, but the joy of the Lord is my strength. Listen, I, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about people that they come in and they want to give up. And you've come back to the house of God and you felt like giving up all week and you get in the presence of God and the preacher preaches and reads your mail and you come to an altar and repent and, repent and, right, and you're, you're renewed, you're refreshed, you've got strength and you walk back outside and immediately that little thief is right there. He's trying to pick at your joy. He's trying to find a way to get it and to steal it. And if he can't steal it, he's going to try to kill it. He... If he can't kill it, he's going to find somebody to line up with a bazooka and try to destroy it. He's going to do whatever he can. And so when I begin to think about this, I'm thinking about standing firm. We're, try, we're, we're beyond the point of giving up and now that my standing is in question. Why? Because sin always affects your standing with God. But when there's restoration and when there's healing, it reminds me of soldiers holding the line. And when that one soldier falls, there's a breach in the line. And the enemy can go through the smallest of gaps. And now everybody's exposed to attack from that enemy. Well, it's not important that I worship. Yes, it is. It's not important that I come and pray with the body. Yes, it is. It's not important that I come to the house of God. Yes, it is. Why? Because a breach allows the enemy to get behind us. And behind us, there's no defense. There's no shield. There's no weapon. Why? Why? Because the enemy is now behind me, and he's free to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's going to, he's going to, listen, I'm vulnerable because of that. 
And so Paul, he exhorted to them. He said, you've got to stand firm in the Lord. Listen, you've got to recognize that your joy is going to go up and down. It's going to go in and out. It's going to happen. But joy is always a choice. Happiness is based on a circumstance, but joy, you know what? Paul sitting there in that little dark dun- dungeon riding on a piece of parchment, probably didn't have a candle very big. He was probably right hard, had to script, r- find some stuff to write with. Who knows what he was going through? Who knows what his condition was? But he began to write about it. You're my joy and my crown. I need you to stand fast. I need you to understand. I don't want you to be isolated. I want you to understand how important this is. Amen. Now, Brother Steve, if I'm in the dungeon, uh, I ain't feeling all that. I don't feel like encouraging you when I'm down. And you know, the truth is, if you're honest, you don't feel like encouraging me when you're down. Be honest. I made it into church, but don't ask me to do nothing. I don't feel like being here today. I came because pastor would notice if I wasn't here, and you know he'd pick up the phone and call me. Brother Roberts would send me a text and go, you all right, buddy? I just came because I had to be there. Sister Satan would have called me and said, I'm, I missed you this morning. I don't want to hear all that mess, so I just came anyway. What's wrong with them people caring about people? Can't I just be left alone and just, you know, have me a little pity party? Pour me another cup of tea. Oh, poor me. Listen, joy is a choice. That man sitting in that dungeon said, you know what? You're my child. You're my crown. You're my joy. You're a source of joy to me. You've got to understand how much you need the body of Christ. How much you need the presence of God. Listen, listen. That Bible says when two or three are gathered together, there am I in the midst. Somebody hear this preaching this morning. Don't you let the enemy hijack your joy. Oh, you know what? It's time to get past the pity party. It's time to say, you know what? Hey, how you doing this morning? I lost my joy, but I come to get some back. The problem is we're not comfortable being honest. I had a bad week. I had a bad day. I had a bad month. Lord, Pastor, you know I've had a bad year, but I'm here, and I got the joy of the Lord because it's my strength. I'm going to rejoice, I'm going to praise, I'm going to magnify the name of the Lord because that's where my strength comes from. I'm talking to some isolated people. All you want to do is get together and rub heads. Oh me, it's so bad. It's Come on, quit that. That's not giving you any strength. That's hijacking your spirit. But you got to find somebody that will lay hands on you and say in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I will not be overcome. Why? Because joy is my choice. Paul said, I don't want your fellowship to be broken. Those relationships are fragile. They've got to be treasured. They, they got to, listen, the devil's going to get a, a crack in there, but you've got to stand firm. We can't have all this mess, right? Listen, come on, Brother Roberts, get off your soapbox. Pastor's going to spit and yell. What's happened? Listen, what happens in this place is going to affect someone's eternity. That's why I've got to choose joy. 
That's why what happens to me is not as important as what happens in here on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or a Wednesday night or a Monday night. Why? Because this is affecting somebody's eternity. Bro, Steve, I don't, I've been through enough this year that if I said, you know, I need some time off, nobody would fault me. I, I, I don't believe any of you good people would say, man, you probably ought to take a couple months to hide your head in the sand somewhere. It, it's been that kind of year. It's okay. I am going to choose joy. Look at verse 2. I plead with Euodia, and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. He said, and I'm asking you, my true companion. He's talking to the person he's writing out of Philippi. Help these women. They've been in contention, right? These women have been at my side. They've worked in the gospel. Listen, there were co-workers with me, verse 3, right? Apparently, this conflict between these two women was so serious that it was mentioned in a letter that would have been read publicly in the church. How would you like for your mail to be read like that? pastor's going to get up about noon and say, all right, folks, we've got a problem between this family and that family, and we've got to figure this out right now. <laughs> wow, right? We don't even know what the dispute is about. Paul's pleading with these women so that they would reconcile. Why? That they wouldn't be like, they would, he wanted them to put their, their differences aside and be like-minded. Why? Because it was an important matter to a small church. Not only would their joy be robbed, but listen to me. The third point here, and I, I forgot to say it, so let's put it up there, is uh, the third robber of, of, of our joy is division. Understand how important unity is for the church. Listen, you gotta, it's not just that their joy is gone. The, 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 the fact that their joy had been hijacked and robbed began to have an effect on the entire body. What are you talking about, Brother Roberts? I'm talking about, listen, you are not isolated whether you think you are or you're not. What's going on in your life is affecting the entire body of Christ. It's having an effect. I, I believe I, I believe that. Oh, listen, it could have been one of those crazy. Maybe this conflict was an open secret. Maybe it was the elephant in the room. I don't know. But whatever was causing the fracture had to be resolved. Healing had to begin. Paul was very tactful. He doesn't talk about the issue. He doesn't take sides. He, he encourages them to get those things right. He didn't point the finger of blame. He was pleading for unity. Why? Because I believe that Paul went back to the Bible and said, you know what? Uh, there's, there's blessing in unity. He understood understood that it's the place where God commands his blessing. Well, I'm just having a bad day. I'm just having a bad week. I'll get past this. I'll move on this. No, no. I am going to get some joy. Why? Because conflict's going to rise, and there's no way around that. But I can't allow something in my spirit to create division inside the body. Well, Brother Roberts, you didn't talk about the car. You didn't talk about the kids. You ain't talked about the refrigerator anymore. You started talking about isolation and failure and division. Why? Because these are the things that truly rob our joy. 
I'm mature enough that I'll get over a broken refrigerator. I'll get over a a broken washing machine. I can fix it or I can find me a new one. I'll get by that. I'll move on that. But there are some things that happen internal of the body. Somebody said something. Somebody did something. Somebody should have said something. And it begins to affect our spirit. And it begins to work over and over and over again. And I can see it on the faces of the people of God. Oh, bless the Lord. Listen, you ought to tell your face that you're communicating differently. (laughs) The joy of the Lord is my strength. Well, notify your face. Send it a text message for the love of God. Help somebody out here. We always love to get to the application. We always love to get to the point where Paul says rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice, right? We love that point. But sometimes we don't give. We can't get to the point of rejoicing because we've let isolation and failure and division destroy our joy. I don't know how many great sermons I've heard about getting your joy back, but I have not heard very many about isolation and failure and division as I have about getting your joy back. But the truth is that enemy comes in. But here's what Paul says. He says, you know what? Because the truth is we come in, we don't feel like rejoicing. You get a tax bill from the IRS, and your response is to come to church and worship. Not mine. I'm being honest. I got to work through that, right? But here's what Paul understood. A lot of the things that steal our joy have their root in anxiety. We're human. And, and, and we allow things to take our joy. It doesn't have to be a lot. It doesn't have, right? It's usually just something that creeps in over time. But here's what I know. Anxiety that is unchecked will always lead to an overwhelming fear. Here's what he said, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all, unto all men. The Lord is at hand. What, what are you talking about, Brother Roberts? I'm talking about this. It's how we respond that's really important. I, I can't let what somebody says or what somebody does, right? I can't let a situation affect. i got to realize that my state of mind is going to be determined by what's going on in my life. And so I said it's my choice. But here's what Paul said. Listen, I know there are some folks, and I can't imagine this in my mind, but they're like, man, I just don't feel like it. I just can't get it together. I just can't rejoice. I just can't have any joy. I'm just going through this, and I'm just going through that, and I'm just dealing, right? And here's what Paul said. That, that little part there that's at the end of that, vo- that verse, he said, the Lord is at hand. Other translations say it this way. He is near. Listen, you know why I can rejoice in the Lord no matter what's going on around me? Because God's in it. That, that, that's really the truth, right? He's, he's Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is a consistent, constant, loving God. Not only does his love endure, right, but I've got the good news of the gospel that's bringing salvation. I, if I can't find nothing else to celebrate, I can celebrate that he talked to, to a 18-year-old lost young man that walked in the doors of an old church on Midway Drive, and he began to speak peace and strength and mercy. Uh, 
There's nothing. There's nothing in this life that can affect that. Paul said, if I live, good. If I die, that's gain. Why? Because what Jesus Christ has already done in my life. Now listen, hear me now. Understand, when calamity happens in your life, salvation is not your first thought. Oh my God, my house just blew up and burned the ground. Glad I'm saved. Just drove my truck off a cliff. Glad I got salvation. That's not how our human response works, right? But you got to get this. You got to understand what's the application. You listen. Oh, the, the joy stealer comes in and begins to steal it and to kill it and destroy it, and you're feeling down and your spirit's hijacked. All you got to do is begin to think about the goodness of the Lord. David said, What? He said, I encouraged myself in the Lord. I began to think, you know what? There was that time that I was in the hospital and God did a miracle in my life. There was that time that I didn't have nothing and God provided. There was that time. Come on, somebody. You just remember how good God is. It'll restore your joy. I'm so tired of somebody. Why don't you just rejoice? Why don't you just clap your hands? Give me a reason. I just did. God is good. He's right here. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Here preacher saying to you, you've got to understand something. We need to rejoice in God, not, not because of, but in spite of. Amen. I'll give you one more, and I'm done. Paul says don't be anxious about anything. That's a pretty tall order. Don't be anxious about anything. There are people in this room, you won't get anxiety out of your life till you get to the restaurant and you're worried they're not going to mess up your order. We live in a society filled with, a, I ordered that without onions. And I know they're going to put onions on it. It, it. Pick a new restaurant. But giving in to anxiety is allowing fear to overwhelm our hearts and our lives. But he says, listen, you understand that. Put that verse up for me, sis. Be anxious about nothing, right? But in everything, make your supplication known unto the God by prayer. Am I the only one that forgets to pray? Come on, be honest. Am I the only one? Be, be honest. Come on, put your hand up. Hold your hand. Let somebody see that you're human, right? Something happens and you're like, my God, what am I going to do about this? How am I going to get, what's going to happen? Be careful for nothing. Other translation says don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer. The enemy comes in and steals your joy. What are you going to do about it? Uh -uh. No, be honest. You're going to worry. You're going to get anxious. Did you see the size of that bill, honey? Did you? My, what do these people think we're made of money? Right. 
Listen, the world has programmed us to feel about everything. Oh, my God. You open up the mail. You turn on the TV. You look at your phone. And we get anxious. We get worried. We get overwhelmed. But I've got direction from the Word. How do I get to that point where I rejoice and I say again rejoice? How do I get to that point? First, I'm making sure I'm not isolated. Then I'm going to deal with my failure. We know how to deal with failure. We go back to the altar and get things right. I know what's going on if I've got division in my life. I'm not stupid. You're not stupid. We get it. we got to go make that thing. We've got biblical precedent for making that right. But then i got to turn around. You know what? And, you know, here I get to the application. I get to this other point where I'm in that place where I'm saying, you know what? He's at hand. God is right there next to me. I don't have to worry. And listen, that's a restorer of joy. But I can go back. Listen, the enemy can steal your joy all he wants to. Life can steal your joy, but there's nothing that doesn't, there's nothing that can prevent you from bowing your head and saying, you know what, God? I need you right now. I know you said you'd never leave me. You'd never forsake me. And so I'm calling upon that name that is greater than I. I'm going to be like David who said, Lord, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to that lock, to that rock that is higher than I. Why? Because it will restore. And the last part of that, and I don't have time to get into it, you know what happens when anxiety is gone? When we recognize that God's near and we get to the place of prayer? The peace of God that surpasses all understanding. It's not, right? It's not circumstantial. It's not because of, it's in spite of. I'm not going to let the enemy steal my joy. But for a moment, I'm going to be real. Things are going to happen. They're going to steal my joy. But you know what? I'm going to get me a checklist. You know what? God's right here. Take my anxiety and find me a place to pray. Why? Because the peace of God can come into my circumstance no matter what I'm dealing with. How how do you know that, Brother Roberts? Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my resolve. It's the place where I'm restored. It's the place where I'm healed and the place where I'm delivered. Lift a hand with me this morning. Let's stand together. Father, we can't, we can't prevent joy robbers. God, I pray over this body. I pray over the people of God this morning. Lord, over every spirit of anxiety, I release the peace of God that passes understanding. I pray for every brother, every sister in this room, God. Help us. Lord, as we walk forward, as we move forward in this world today, as we move forward in the, in the power and the purpose of God, I pray that anointing that breaks the yoke and the chain of anxiety that breaks, Lord, that empowerment of anxiety in our life. I release the joy of the, God, of the Lord. I release that strength, restoration in Jesus' name. I pray. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you.